Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlishaw and I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Hello. And a late substitution for Chris Brammer. Tom Throw is back. Hi. I've been safe. That That's Stay good because I do worry for you whenever I see your tweet really that you, you're not being <laughs> safe but you've made it through another week as have we all and well two Stoke games plenty to get our teeth into not really two more nil nils three nil nils on the trot oh god um ben like how do you how how do you look at our next game do you do you actually want to go do you do you want to go to another football match again do you still like football <laughs> do i still like football i think i like football i'm i'm saying i like football because i think what we see at stoke at the moment isn't football it's just sort of Safekeeping. We are slowly moving through, not really doing much of anything, but everything's safe. Everything's okay because we have to wait for next season to kick off. So, do I do I like football? Yes. Do I like watching Stoke play football? What they can see through football? Maybe not. Um, but Saturday had its moments. I think it's very easy. Um, to dismiss it because it was another nil-nil. It's very easy to dismiss it because it was a lot of turgid football, especially in the second half. It's very easy to dismiss it because I can't remember too much of what happened in it. But it was a nil-nil. And it was, I mean, as they say, it was a good nil-nil, maybe. Well, I don't know. But there was, I think we're going to talk about one certain young man who sort of makes up for it, in a way. The fact that it was just nil-nil because he played and he was surprisingly brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's dead secure, isn't it? We don't like conceding goals, which is good. That is a nice change. Um, but yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, I read all of Nathan Jones's post-match comments to the Stoke Sentinel and part of his answer was, I'm an attacking manager. My team score goals. I don't really know why we're not scoring goals, which is concerning. Um but it's not the end of the road for Stoke, <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, Tom, it, it seems like we're a bit of a, a rescue dog at the moment. We we can't let things get too exciting, otherwise we'll uh, we'll, we'll go a bit mad and, and make things worse. So we need a lot of tenderness and love and care. And as with all rescue dogs, clean sheets are a bonus. So we're, we're just relying on Nathan Jones to gently stroke our fur and tell us everything's going to be all right. But looking at those Derby and Reading games, what are you seeing in there that reassures you that things are going to be all right? Because I heard on Radio Stoke on Saturday that this is the worst Stoke side in 60 years. Uh, yeah, well, th- that's, a, that's certainly a comment, isn't it? But uh, if we if we have a quick dive into the stats, which I know we all love doing, uh, we've not conceded an XG of more than one in our past seven games and I've got I've got the old XGs going back all the way to 2014-15 and the next best run of games without conceding an XG of one is like three so maybe it might be the worst team we've had in 60 years but it's the best defensive team we've had in five years so that's that's what you want to hear that is what gets yeah. the blood going Clean sheets, get the blood going. Maybe yeah, maybe Nathan Jones has listened to the podcast too much. Maybe he's too concerned with staying safe. <laughs> maybe he's just a bit worried about becoming unsafe. Yeah, maybe maybe the podcast slogan is all wrong. Uh, but yeah, on the XG thing, I think that's what me and my dad were talking about down the pub. We said, for bloody XG is still below one, isn't it? And then we... Ordered a round in for everyone at the bar. We said, yay, 2XG. And everyone at the bar cheered. And uh, I believe that's what they were singing about in the uh, singing section in the corner. They're singing, XG, lower than one, XG. (laughs) And and, uh, the the city is very much a buzz at that news. But yes, that is good. That is uh, nice. It's nice to see Ryan Shawcross have just a, a run of games where he looks like... Ryan Shawcross again and that might be a bit uh, kind of putting the cart before the horse but he, he's, it's nice to see him fit in there and I thought he was perhaps even better than Danny Bart who is 
looking pretty pretty tremendous every game he plays. But I thought Shawcross was the better of the two on Saturday. But as you alluded to, Penn, uh, the actual man of the match was the only Belgian in the championship. There's a stat for you. Mr. Thibaut. Is it Thibaut? Thibaud? Tibby. Mr. Tibby Verlinden, Esquire. That, that's nice, that isn't nice. it? That was football, wasn't it? I mean, it probably... I don't know. I, I'm insulting myself here because I didn't expect that performance from him. I didn't realise he was that type of player. I think I saw a couple of comments from... Um, uh, on Twitter before the game um, from Pete Smith and I was like oh he's he's exciting I didn't realise he was exciting I thought he was like a, a pretty sort of standard wide player that could probably move a bit centrally but he was just what a wonderful player to watch I mean he's everything you sort of want from a young uh, like prospect isn't it just that confidence to do whatever he wants to do with the ball try it he was getting involved. He was, I mean, he must have given away six fouls hmm. in the first half, which, I mean, from uh, every Stoke fan loves a player that has a bit of passion. Um, and he certainly fouled people, and I think that's what passion means. So, yeah, it, he was trying crosses. He can cross with both feet. He nearly got an assist. He probably could have scored with his head in the second half. Oh, that um, would have been... Oh, yeah. It would have been lovely. I mean, I, I was trying to put a cheeky quid on him to be next goal scorer in the second half, but my my signal was failing him. So half of me was, oh, well, at least I didn't, lo- I didn't lose that bet. Um, but it turns out that no one scored anyway. Um, but moving back to the serious stuff, yeah. I just, out of nowhere, just like a player that's like, I want to see him every week. And that 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 is the reason why I'd want to sort of go back and watch the team. Obviously, beyond the, uh, this is my football team and I support them and obviously I want to go whenever I can. But Valendon was just... Yeah, and I, I think we've alluded to it in the podcast before, or I certainly have, um, in terms of sort of Bojan and that situation where you've got a player that's so exciting. And obviously that's why we always ask for Bojan, because he is exciting. We want to see that type of play. But with Valinden coming in, I, going through my head, is like, well, if we've got players like Valinden, that's what I want. I mean, I love Bojan as much as the next man. I've said it many times, many times, but... Vlinden was so exciting to watch and that is the type of performance we want to see. It doesn't matter whose name is on the back of the shirt. If Vlinden can do that and turn up week in, week out and become one of the star men, even better. He, he showed so many good signs. I was, I was buzzing, buzzing for him. He, uh, he really reminded me of an old love of mine and ours. Um, when he did that cross for Vokes where he, he did the like double step over left the defender a bit clueless and then went to the byline and hit it in with his with his wrong foot, with his left foot when he's right footed. That reminded me of um Shakiri for that first goal against Man City when he just absolutely put Kolarov on his arse, I think, with mm. that exact same move and then mm. drilled it across and Arnie tapped it in. So but yeah, mm. I think I think it, word for word repeating near enough what, what Ben's just said about I want Bojan in the team, A, because I do love Bojan and he's a genuinely lovely human being and I just want him to be happy, but also because the team just seemed to be lacking that, not even creative, I'd say Spark, more a player. Just a bit of drive. Yeah, someone who's Something. just a bit confident in themselves. So, like, Bojan always seemed comfortable taking the ball, even if two men were stood next to him. And Verlinden for, is he 20, 20-year-old? 20 to have that confidence when the rest of the team is so not there and hasn't been there all season is just absolutely immense. And I think there's no reason for us to be try and be sensible and try and like limit our expectations because what's the point? We've had a shit season. It's mm. been boring. It's been dreadful. And we've just had a spark appear in March. Why not get excited for the next two and a half months? Yeah, exactly that. Uh, do you want to feel old, by the way, lads? Uh, he was born in <laughs> July 1999, which makes him 19 years old. And wow. uh, yeah, it, w- it was a surprise uh, to learn that he started because I knew he, and he's been kind of in and around the, the subs bench recently, mainly due to injury. And it was that morning we t- I saw uh, Belgian football accounts tweeting about yeah. how Verlinden's going to start. Going to start like how do, how do people in Belgium know the team better than we do? Uh, 
well, to be honest, everyone knows the team better than we do. But um, once we learned it was starting, it was like, okay, this is interesting because I'd, I'd seen him uh, make the odd cup appearance and I've seen the odd kind of uh, under-23 yeah. games, but I couldn't really remember him too well. And I know he went on loan to St. Pauli, but only played two games for them. So it's a bit kind of like, okay, you absolutely sure? Um and the kind of player I had in my head would probably be a bit of a lightweight winger, perhaps an easy game for him to get lost in, an easy game for it, for him to get just uh, crowded out or marked out the game by a you know more experienced right back. But uh, I, w- I think the thing that impressed me most, apart from that kind of uh, that drive that you, that you mentioned, because we kind of expect young players on the debut to, to be a bit kind of willing to do anything, willing to, to make an impression. But also, I think he showed a, a strength and an understanding of the game that you might not expect from a 19-year-old winger on their debut. Some of the times he was being... It looked like he'd be about to be shoved off the ball and he'd be a bit too lightweight, but he held his ground really well. And he wasn't just aimlessly running up and down the channels. He was He was cutting back. He was looking for the pass. He was very aware of the teammates around him and I cannot uh, overstate how good he was because and it's like it's an easy game for him to stand out in because none of the other attacking players did much of anything I appreciate that but like you said if we can't get a bit carried away about a debut like that then we may as well all pack up and go home some attacking invention it's bloody nice to have some of that uh, and it relates to uh, what we're going to talk about next is that while we celebrate the good performances at the back, that is now three games without a goal for Stoke. And apart from a 15-20 minute spell in the first half, we didn't look like scoring against Reading, who are pretty bloody awful. Uh, Tom, how do we score goals again? Because how, how do we get the XG uh, to be over one in our favour to use your language um, I think there's there's something to say as to the fact that we haven't probably been able to pick um, necessarily the, the attack that Jones wants to and by all noises he's made about Saturday Vogt wasn't fully fit and was thrown in because a phobia wasn't fully fit but I'd be quite interested in seeing those two together um, at, at the top maybe with the Linden in behind them in the diamond or something or something a bit even crazier than that uh, like a normal 4-4-2 bloody hell what's the world coming to um, I don't know I, I, whilst I get that it can be frustrating to hear Jones just come out and say oh well it's just not happening I'm an attacking manager we work on attacking we aren't taking that onto the pitch I sympathise with him really for that because he can't he can't force the players to do certain things at certain times and the style of football he's trying to produce isn't conducive to sort of just doing one thing like just pumping it into the box as soon as it gets out wide or getting it wide and getting it deep and then drilling it back across like Man City do it's it's going to take time and we're, we're going to just have to plod along and hopefully get there at some point, I think. Mm. Uh, on the on the kind of negative aspect of these last two games then, uh, Ben, were you as exasperated as I was with the uh, performance of Tom Ince? Because I feel like he sometimes comes in for unfair stick and perhaps earlier in the season when he got criticised, he'd kind of answer those critics the next game or the game after with a, a key assist or a goal or something. But uh, recently, I think it's as bad as he's played and he's really, really uh, going missing for me. Uh, I wonder what, what you make of, well, not just Ince, but the whole uh, attack in general because we're not creating chances, are we? No, I mean... I was yeah, I was annoyed at Ince on Saturday. I felt like he was he'd played too long. I thought obviously I didn't realise Vokes was obviously a bit injured and maybe he shouldn't have played at all. So like that substitution now makes sense and that. But Ince is supposed to be I, I guess he's he's really the, the supposed to be the focal point of our attack, really. Like he's the one that can score goals and, and create. There's there's no other player 
in our squad this season that has done it really. Obviously, Afobi has chipped him with a few goals, but he's not been consistently in the team. So Tom Ince is there to do both, and at the moment he's doing neither because we're not scoring goals. So I think a lot of that blame has to be laid at him. I think a lot of the game on Saturday, I just, I just, I just didn't get what he was doing. I think. With Verlinden, it was just so clear that he was so keen on getting on that ball and just running and t- taking on a defender and making himself an option with Ince. I, I just don't really remember any- much of anything. And then it always happens. And I don't know if this is just a sort of a complete bias thing where it's been tweeted about a couple of times. It's like when a sub warms up, it, it always the ball always seems to find Ince. He always <laughs> seems to like suddenly get on the ball and, and make a pass and make something happen. And it's like, is that my bias? Am I just being an idiot and like... And I don't have an answer to that. It might just be. It probably is complete rubbish. But it it seems too often in games where we need to take, we need to do something. Three nil nils on a row. If I was an attacker in that team of Tomins, this is a quality because he is he's got technical ability. I'd be embarrassed because you're playing teams like Reading, who are one of the worst teams. Obviously, they've improved a bit in in recent weeks, but they're like one of the worst teams in the second division of English football. I'd imagine Tom Ince sees himself as he should be playing the Premier League. He joined Stoke because he assumed that we'd be going straight back up and he'd be at the level he is, like he thinks he's at. I, and maybe that's a horrible thing to say about him as well. But if he does think that, and I expect he does, he needs to be doing more than what he's doing against Reading. I'm sorry, yes, Nathan Jones has obviously come in and he's, he's supposedly going to improve our attack and I, I do believe he will do that. But you need players like Tom Ince who has got ability to step up and do something with the ball. And if I was him, I'd be looking back at that performance on Saturday and thinking, there's a 19-year-old in that team. He's come in, he's done a job. Why aren't I being direct? Why aren't I looking for the ball like he was doing? And I don't know what the answer is, because I think Jones obviously sees him as a key player. He sees him as a talented player, and I don't think he's going to drop him, which... Maybe I don't disagree with. We always say about give Bojan a run of games. Let's give Tom Ince a run of games if he is the future. And if Nathan Jones sees him as a player next season, then that's probably the right thing to do. But at some point, he's going to have to start delivering results and consistently because that was always the issue with him. There's just no consistency. I think I think Ince is such a frustrating player to watch because, and I think you mentioned it in the week, Dave, in that derby match, there were times when he looked like a stroppy teenager. Um, mm-hmm. Because when things aren't going for him, his head gets down and he sort of, he doesn't have the reaction that you want from your star player when things are going against them. Because I think the people we've mentioned who used to play for us, Shakiri Arnautovic, when things didn't go for them, Arnautovic seemed to get like a rage and it was scary for the opposition when he was upset and not pleased with himself. And Shakiri never went missing in a game. He always, if things weren't working up the pitch, would drop deeper and deeper until he could get on the ball. Whereas I just feel like Ince is just totally happy to stand in the middle of the pitch and watch the game go on around him. And it's so frustrating. And I think Jones sees something in him that I'm not sure I'd be willing to to try and eke out as much as he seems to be willing to eke out because he keeps talking about how well he's playing at the minute and how much of a good player he is. I think he's trying to up his confidence because he's clearly been one of the worst players in the team. He's had eight starts in a row and in five of those matches has failed to have a shot on target or create a chance. And I know we're obsessed with him and it always comes back to him, but if Bojan had done that, there'd be people baying for blood. There'd, there'd, there'd be absolute anger from the fan base and from the local media, I suspect. But I don't know why Tom Ince has got this grace period where he's allowed to just sort of disappear in matches. Yeah, I guess Tom Ince brings a bit more energy, maybe. And uh, and I completely agree with you uh, on your sort of stroppy child comparison because I think he often does and but then my mind goes to it's similar for Arsenal fans and Ozil and obviously Ozil turns like turns up well I don't know what I don't give a shit about Arsenal so I don't know about Ozil but um it's a similar thing where people judge Ozil because of the fact he he strops around and he sort of walks around but then he does something brilliant so we need we need to like whatever strop about if you want to strop out and that's your thing strop out but do something please (laughs) yeah um 
friend of the pod, uh, Ben Rowley, I saw in the Congress before kickoff, and he, he made the point to me that Ince is what people thought Shakiri was. People painted Shakiri as uh, heads go down, mad ass. Uh, when things weren't going for us. But we can properly see that with Tom Ince, whereas I think with Shakiri, okay, sometimes you might think he's gone missing, but in general, he tried to take games by the scruff of the neck when he wasn't having his best day. And I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm very, very frustrated uh, with Ince, particularly when, again, as you say, we see the performance from Verlinden. And when Bojan comes on, 10-minute cameo, okay, he gets the... I think his first touch gets dispossessed, but then he creates a key pass for a scoring transfers. Now, you can, you can also as well say Tom Ince hit the post in the first half, and if he scores, you know, Tom Ince has made a vital contribution there, and it's on these fine margins we, we judge performances. But I think there, there is a longer trend of uh, kind of really uh, anonymous performances from Ince during pretty much most of the games. Or sometimes he'll he'll have a ten minutes or so, and ten minutes just isn't good enough. From let's face it, when he starts, he's the only quote unquote create creative player we have, and that's uh, a concern going forward. Um, going back to some positives from the Reading game, I thought Etebo was tremendous again. I think his recent form has been uh, a delight to watch. Really, I think he's uh, someone we need to try desperately to keep hold of it might be very difficult for us to do that but if we can i'm i'm instantly you know all aboard next season you know um but also uh wanted to talk about the kind of uh lack of a diamond that's a, that's another a few games gone without a diamond tom and uh where, where, where are you with jones's experimentation now are you kind of concerned that he doesn't seem to want to go back to his favourite formation are you kind of or do you think he even will go back to the diamond next season when he has quote unquote his his team in see this is something that I've sort of been like thinking about the past few days and a point that John McKenzie friend of the pod um, made talking about press conferences um, and the media they don't they don't it's not a thing to ask a tactical question. It's not a mm. thing to be like, oh, Mr. Bielsa, what, why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? And I just love someone to ask Jones that because I'm I'm all fine with this experimentation provided that there's a reason to it and it isn't just, um, well, these are the players I've got. I'm going to use them in their more natural positions for now. And I think when he first started, he talked about um, in the Brentford game, we started in the diamond and went back to four-three-three. And he said, just because the players understood that shape a bit more and wanted a bit more. And I'd say maybe the lack of not being able to have Vokes and a phobie up front, more specifically Vokes. I think he's very keen to have that focal point target man, not necessarily a target man to lump it long to, but someone who will take the ball with his back to goal and, and look to get the midfield involved. And I think not having anyone who can do that might be quite key to it. I'd be quite interested to see what we do um, after the international break because whilst we will have players going away on the international break, it's not like it used to be. We don't have the entire team disappearing. So hopefully, and it seems like he wants to keep Vokes, he doesn't want Vokes to go to Wales duty because um, of his injury problems. Maybe we might see a shift back to the diamond now, but I'd be surprised if we don't see it um, in pre-season. I, I, from, from what Jones said before he joined about how he's almost a student of this formation and he believes it's essential to how he plays football, I'd be surprised if we saw the four-three-three or four-two-three-one for much longer. Okay, that's interesting. Then we'll move on to some uh, listener questions. Uh, first from Mike Lawton. First 20 minutes, we look positive, engaged and actually dangerous. After hitting the post and then the crossbar, the team's enthusiasm visibly dropped. How do we keep that initial momentum going? Uh, don't know about you, Ben, but I think what we were talking about before with Tom, it kind of plays into that. He, well, you can make a case for Verlinden now, but he's he's our key creative player and his head dropped at that moment. So I think that has an effect on his teammates, but... 
I, w- I wondered if you had any thoughts on, um, you know, why why is it we just keen seem to just completely go flat at at times? Yeah, it's really strange and it's very frustrating because the stadium kind of builds in those moments, obviously, as you would, and it it, it almost like feels if a goal goes in, then it, you, it obviously it would then it would keep going, keep going, and and maybe it's. It's the whole stadium, I think. I don't think it is just the players. Like the the, mm. the, the atmosphere just it levels out as well because I guess there's nothing to cheer. It, it is that sort of chicken and egg situation still. I think where I I look at Jones in the game and it's so obvious that we've lost the momentum. Like this, it's dropped. I don't know why. Like why does this happen for a professional football team? And it's like Jones, can you do something? Like can you just like shout at them and then all like crack back into it I don't, I don't know what the answer is like it's an impossible problem because I'm sure Jones is standing there in the in the technical area being like what, like what can I do like I've given you all the tools you need to win this game and it just drops and it's so visible and yeah I don't know I don't know what the answer is I think maybe it's something to do with personnel and maybe that's the big thing that Nathan Jones has spotted the big problem is is the personnel and the attitude because He's brought in Bart, and you've, we've seen the influence of a captain, of a, of a leader, maybe not the captain, but a certain on-pitch leader, and that's had a massive impact, I think, on the defence. And maybe we need players, the type of character that doesn't let that drop. We need a player to be, like, shouting for that ball in those moments of lulls, because there are always going to be lulls in a football game, but you need someone to step up, not to hang their head in shame or shy away from the ball. You need someone to be like, right, this is my game, this is my team, let's go and win it, and... Yeah, it's it's bloody annoying for a fan to be like twenty minutes in and be. It, it did feel it's like well, it doesn't feel like we're gonna get back to that point again because that it was really exciting, but except for like a little, a couple of little sparks for like a minute or so, it, it never really reached it again, which is yeah, just so frustrating. Yeah, it was pretty telling that the most we got animated in the second half was over a contentious drop ball where no one seemed to have a clue <laughs> what bizarre. was going on, but we were. <laughs> Rightfully indignant about it, not all the same. Uh, question from Gareth Edwards here, Tom. How do we get a tune out of Tom Ince? How do we keep a table in the summer? And how can we speed up time to get us to the close season? Uh, so short of the time travel question, how do we keep a table? How do we make Tom Ince good? I think I've suggested it before. I think I'm totally up for just locking Etebo in a darkened basement all summer. I'm really sorry. It might upset him, but I think... I mean, there, are lines we need to, there, there, are, <laughs> there are lines we need to cross to keep that man in our football club. Um, but you know what? From what he said, I think Nathan Jones is prepared to cross him. So I think he will fight tooth and nail to keep him. And getting a tune out of Tom Ince, I genuinely drop him. Just Give him a recorder. Spit at him. I was, I was tempted to say spit at him, but... Um, just drop him. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got it. That cog's word. Just, just, just drop him for a bit. Like, please. Good, he doesn't need to play every second. Just drop him. Yeah, it, it's it's weird how we, in all this rotation, uh, Allen and Ince seem pretty undroppable. Uh, obviously, Butland as well. But it seems to me that everyone has had a fair crack of the whip. But uh, Alan and Ince have been the kind of mainstays, perhaps because they are, uh, you know, on paper our, our best players. And you know, if you drop them and we lose, then everyone goes like, "Oh, why the hell do you drop them?" kind of thing. So, if we lose our next game and we've dropped Tom Ince, you promise not to moan about it. No. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, Josh uh, has asked a question which relates to something we're going to talk about. Uh, he says, don't know why everyone is annoyed at this. What do they seriously expect when Nathan Jones was was manager? For us to be on a 10-game winning streak, he has inherited crap players and tactics from Rowett, and he saw the start of next season to sort it out. And this relates to an article in The Sentinel by Martin Spinks, uh, entitled, Why Aren't Stoke Fans Moaning More? Um, he, he doesn't uh, really say that we should be moaning. We, we kind, of, kind of makes the point in the article that we're we're just kind of a bit flattened by uh, two years of misery, and above anything, we just want to have faith in Nathan Jones being the guy. So, do you have any sympathy 
with the guy who rang up Radio Stoke and used words like disgrace, uh, worst Stoke team for 60 years, um, all that stuff. And, and it was a weird call because he you kind of make a sort of tactical point and say, oh, why why don't you, you pick Adam or why didn't you drop so-and-so? But then he'd go completely mental and, well, there you go. I've just given my own opinion then. Um <laughs> And say worst Stoke team for sixty years. So what he, what would have been good points, kind of got lost in the hyperbole. But uh, do you get the people who are who are restless at the moment, Tom? Uh, no, it, it's it's not the worst Stoke team in sixty weeks. Never mind sixty years. Hmm. Um, I think we're not moaning because I think everyone's just a bit tired of feeling really shit about the football club because it it was a slog last season and I think for a lot of people who maybe felt that they voiced their disapproval with the 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 way things were going they sort of felt like it was all a bit inevitable and like there was nothing they could do and I feel that the recent reactions more being a sense of people being like crap we weren't switched on last time so we're not going to let the club get away with it again and I do think it's probably because the club have made the the things they've done the things we want them to do. So we've got a manager in who's got ideas, who wants to do certain things, who's going to be uncompromising to those ideals of attitude within the squad. And what's the point in getting angry about it at the minute? I think everyone's just buying into this idea that it's going to take time. The thing is as well, nil-nils are better than losing 3-0 to Wigan. Like, there has been a definite improvement, an obvious improvement on the pitch in one certain aspect, and that is letting in goals. Obviously, we're not scoring goals, and we've talked about that many times. But the other problem with, with Rower and maybe, obviously, well, Hughes, the Hughes era and Lambert era was just dreadful in the end. Um, but Rower going into the season was so confident. We weren't getting messages of, oh, this squad isn't good enough for the championship, we were getting messages of, this is the best squad I've worked with ever, from a man who, apparently, who we signed because he knows the the championship inside Mm. out, and he's obviously managed many times in the championship, and taken clubs into the playoffs, so then when it goes wrong, we're obviously then going to be annoyed with him, because we we were given promises so many times of, we were allowed to believe, we were allowed to dream, and to be honest, to be fair to Nathan, like to Gary Rowett, Nathan Jones said similar when he came in, and it, there's obviously something there where there's a there's a slight difference. But you've got to forgive Nathan Jones more because there's no preseason; he's never managed at this level before, and he's a lovely guy, and he loves God, all the things <laughs> I love. So to say, to compare this the sort of the Rowett moaning, which I think was. Over the top because, yes, we've had so much shit for so long. Yes, Gary Rout promised so much. And, yes, we are bottom after the, the championship. You can't say the same for Nathan Jones because then we'll just end up being like another team. We'll be, we'll be the next sort of... I don't even know. This, I don't even know what the championship anymore. What is the, what is the bloody Everton of the championship or some club that always moans about their manager? I don't know. But used to be it can't keep doing this that. season, didn't it? They just change the manager every season. They just change around and hope for something different. Yeah. Exactly. Like, we don't want to be that. We want to build something. Nathan Jones is something that we're told. We're, we're told that he's going to be great. This isn't Gary Rowett. This isn't the snake. This isn't the sort of, oh, Gary Rowett has rubbish football. Everyone ever has said Nathan Jones is a good manager. And there are improvements on the pitch. I'm not going to moan yet because... We want to believe, we want to dream, and cuff me if that's a crime. Yeah, um, like, Nathan Jones will never be uh, immune from criticism for me, uh, and hopefully never on this podcast, uh, because, okay, if I'm going to criticise him right now, I'll say uh, three games without so much as a sniff at goal is bad, whatever way you look at it, your team or not, that's still a concern. And his subs have been, you know, whatever manager we had, it seems like we're making bizarre subs. But Nathan Jones is maybe even taking it up a notch, playing Ashley Williams as a Andrea Pirlo figure for some reason. But regardless, uh, I think if, you, if you're getting so angry at Nathan Jones now, then I just don't see 
much kind of hope for you long term at all because this is just going to happen with every single manager. The things that have distinguished Jones from me, and now with a bit, maybe with hindsight, I can maybe have some sympathy for the people who said we should have kept Rowett and given him a year, two years to rebuild. But that was never going to happen because of Rowett's attitude and what he'd said and said and said all the stuff you said, Ben, about us being, oh, well, we're amazing, we're going to win the league, blah bloody blah blah If he hadn't have done that and said, holy shit, this is, we've got a serious job on here, this is going to take two years, then maybe we'd have been much more forgiving with him. But Jones, uh, A, in his character, being a nice guy, being realistic and just seeming like a nice bloke to Rowich, chipper, angry, uh, just headmasterly type stuff. That's a big difference. And also, when Jones talks about football, Jones talks about like building a philosophy, building an identity to the club. He talks about the way he wants to play football. He talks about He talks about football as if it's a passion of his rather than Gary Rowett. He talks about it like it was a job of his. You know, Rowett, Rowett wants to get from point A to point B. Uh, Jones is someone who will enjoy the journey, if that's not too clunky a metaphor. You, you, see, you see what I mean? He's, he's not just doing the nuts and bolts. He sees football as something uh, more than just getting the result at the end of five o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. Hmm. So I think that's why people are warming to him as well, because after Hughes and Lambert and Rowett and getting relegated and playing atrocious football and having absolute shithead players and just the utter misery we've gone through, to have uh, someone with a, a ray of hope in their eyes is just like, of course, of course you've got to get behind him. What is the fucking point of moaning our bag off because he hasn't had a instantaneous Ole Gunnar Solskjaer effect because I'd rather have look, look at Steve Bruce at Sheffield Wednesday people will be like oh well Bruce has gone in there Sheffield Wednesday not his own players and he's taken them up towards the playoffs but but Bruce will not last I can guarantee that mm-hmm. Bruce will bottom out if not at the end of this season then next season and I, I like Steve Bruce as a man but I'd rather have the hope of you know, a gradual long-term improvement than that instant hit of, oh, well, we've won 100%. five on a trot and then what happens next? Because that's exactly what we would have got if we'd have got Allardyce or Redknapp or who, whoever the hell else. Okay, moving on. Uh, Glenn Johnson was on the radio uh, today in Stoke Players, on former Stoke Players on the radio news. Uh, Glenn Johnson said some things, uh, point the finger at uh, Imbula for his bad attitude at the club and said uh, he and his teammates had called relegation at the start of last season. A uh, lot of angry and quite varied opinions on these comments. Uh, Tom, what did you make of them? Um, you know what? I think it, it, it's, it's again one of these things where there seems to be uh, a banning on holding uh, opinions that are more sort of complex and concise and, oh, that's unacceptable. Um, I think, obviously, Gene Elian Bueller subbing himself off, supposedly, in a pre-season game is pretty outrageous. Um, but that doesn't mean I didn't like him as a footballer and he didn't. He made me happy and I thought he was good and we maybe could have made him last. But... On a whole, I think there's just something here that speaks to the actual problems in the dressing room of maybe it was something with, with different cliques of footballers because I think you've certainly got a domestic clique um, who all liked, I don't know, playing golf with each other and stuff that English people do when they've got a lot of money um, and maybe a foreign clique who didn't necessarily enjoy exactly the same things with them. And I think the problems weren't with one group's bad, one group's good, one group's the right attitude, one group's the wrong attitude. It's more a sense of that there was no coming together um, as a team and it was these divisions in the dressing room. I think it was talked about on City's um, 
Amazon advert um, where they talked about how they have a round dressing room uh, and Guardiola mixes up where they sit to make sure that cliques don't form and, and stuff. And it seems a bit like mumbo-jumbo at times, but I think it actually does have quite a foundation in just making sure that you have a squad of players rather than different fractions within that squad. And I think there's something just really unprofessional about going out irrelevant of what you think's happened and airing a club's dirty laundry um, for, for all to hear, basically in the ultimate goal of furthering your own media career because it's not like these players are going out and saying, look, I need to talk about this because I've had some flack for things that I think are wrong. They're all just going out there and going, oh yeah, shall I tell you all about how crap we were? I just, that's not the right thing to do and I think is desperately unprofessional from people who are supposed to be sort of these figureheads of the game who'd been at the top for a long time and know how it's supposed to be done. Do other clubs do this? Is it just Stoke where it seems just to be a merry-go-round of players that are like, we are crap and this is why? I think the biggest the biggest finger for me is obviously that Gianelli and Bula story is shocking and it's the type of thing you kind of wish you know about. Like, yeah, as a Stoke fan, we want to know about those things when they happen. Like, that is a news story and obviously the club isn't going to tell anyone and it's it's going to be kept hush-hush, but it's like... If these things are happening behind closed doors and they are explaining a set of circumstances, as in the whole Imbula saga, as it has been at Stoke for the last few years, then we want to know about that. I think, but then the biggest finger pointing for me is that the management staff for allowing that to happen, one, like, what is this about people, the coaches turning their backs on players? If that's, if that's true, I think that's even worse. Like, if people, if players in our squad, are acting like idiots and doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, they should be being punished. This is their job. They're getting paid thousands of thousands of pounds to play for this club. But as much as we take the Mickey out of passion and stuff, this this is a club we want it. We want that. We want that belief. We want that team feeling in the club. Any any club does, especially at Stoke, I think. And that's what made our promotion to the Premier League so good. And we it seems now for a whole multitude of different reasons that we have completely lost it. Like. That sense of togetherness and just love for Stoke has just gone from all aspects, from the players, from from us. Um, and hopefully Nathan Jones is going to turn it around. But why Mark Hughes and co were like allowing things like that to happen? Why they're signing players that do that kind of thing without full knowledge of their characters? It's just beyond me. Like You've got a multi-multi-million pound business at the end of the day. And the owners don't know. I don't know if the owners should know what's going on, but they don't know what's going on because they let him keep the job for so long. Like, what is going on there that we are a club where players are doing what they want? They're going out drinking. We're signing players from drug bans. We're signing players who sub themselves off because they're not getting passed to. We're signing players on long contracts because I don't know why we're signing players on long contracts. Like, but it, there just seems to me so many stupid decisions and the longer it takes for all these shitty stories to come out, the only the only people it's affecting is us, really, as fans. It's just make, it's just making it worse for us, I think. But how many times more, who's the next squad player that's going to go onto the radio and tell them the next story about another player that was doing something wrong and we have to go through that again? It's just horrible. I hate, I hate it. I think just on your first point about other clubs, let's remember that five really senior players at West Brom literally got arrested in the same season for stealing a taxi in Spain and have we heard anyone from that football club come out and do their 45 minutes on the Monday night club about it no you haven't because I don't know why but I think that's the thing isn't it it just seems to be this massive case of why is it always Stoke why do these things happen to us can't someone else just be a bit embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I think uh, your previous point Tom about these cliques uh, I, you definitely get a sense of it um, I think the previous people to speak out on this have been Darren Fletcher Charlie Adam, Shay Given and I think there's easily photos of those three and Johnson out playing golf together and um, you, you know, you're allowed, I'm not saying you're not allowed to have friends if you're a footballer. Far, you know, far be it from me. But 
it's you, you do get the sense cliques are forming. You do get the sense. Uh, well, I mean, people called Hughes losing the dressing room quite a while ago, uh, before he got sacked. And if it was obvious to us, not knowing what was happening on the training ground, not knowing about these incidents, then why wasn't it so bloody obvious to uh, the chief executive and the and the board who? in theory, should have better intelligence about what's happening on the training ground than us. Um, and it also is just like, it's classic fucking Mark Hughes. Where, what other club can you think of in the Premier League who made a bunch of um, expensive, uh, in theory, talented foreign signings, tried to mix them together with old-fashioned English grafters, threw a load, a load of money at the problem and it just didn't work with disastrous consequences, QPR. It's exactly what happened at QPR. That QPR side that Hughes managed, on paper, should not have been close to relegation and yet he had a disastrous spell with them. It's clearly something wrong with his kind of being able to, to win over personalities and I, I think he fails to do that and I'm sorry if this sounds harsh. He hasn't got a personality to inspire... Whatever kind of player, he, he, you listen to him in the post-match interviews and you, you he just sounds dead inside. <laughs> just so, <laughs> I can't imagine, imagine him being inspiring. And yes, I know, three ninth place finishes, fantastic. And we've we played some great stuff under him. But you you wonder, you start to wonder how much of that was just down to having Marco Anatovic, Stephen and Zonzi and Jordan Shakiri. Um and I think that might have been answered by his subsequent spell in management at Southampton. And I I posted uh, on the Wizards Twitter just a kind of side-by-side comparison of uh, when we actually went down, who was actually playing. Imbula, as disgraceful as that uh, incident is, didn't play a single minute for us in our relegation season. Hesse started about three games and, you know fucking hate Hesse but he started three games whereas you look at Darren Fletcher starting 25 games and and the the senior pros started a lot more and for me whilst they are entitled Johnson is entitled Adam is entitled to say what the hell they like because they play for us they know what happened but it seems to me they do it to kind of get away from their own culpability for me I'm not blaming them wholly. I'm saying it was a total team failure. But when one side of that team starts pointing fingers, it doesn't reflect well on them. Respect, uh, take responsibility collectively or not at all, for me. These, in, these interviews would feel completely different if Glenn Johnson was going on there and saying, yeah, like, we, we, let, we, let, we let Stoke down. We let that team down. We weren't good enough. But he's going in there. They're all going in there, pointing out fingers. And I think maybe it's, it's harsh on, on Glenn a bit. It he, he, he doesn't feel the same for me for Glenn Johnson. Yes, I mean, it's Johnson annoying. Johnson wasn't really involved That's the thing. as much. So that, that's, that's the issue. I wouldn't say Glenn Johnson is really, this is the same, because he, he, he wasn't playing, so it's not his fault at all. But he was part of that squad and just to front up and say, yeah, like, things, get, things went wrong and we have to take like, responsibility as a unit. But he's going in there pointing fingers. The, the obvious worst one is Charlie Adam, and it still is, but despite however many good performances he can put in this season, I, I, it still riles yeah. me up that Charlie Adam goes on there and points his finger at other people. Like I, I generally talk about it on Saturday, and I was getting annoyed again, and I won't do it now. But just Yeah, if, I if, haven't if heard him have say... A, if you're going to have a... When, no. Sorry, Ben. Uh, I haven't heard him say it was disgraceful of me to get sent off in that Everton match. Exactly. Yeah, it, 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 I, I shouldn't have taken the responsibility of taking that penalty away from someone who was so desperate to take it and not just uh, miss the penalty. But no, no, I know, I don't know, but it's something, something about that penalty, even if you're going to say, yeah, look, Hesse was a massive twat. Um, I was the designated penalty taker. It's, it's, it's not, distil- is it? It's a distillation of, of this whole cliques thing. Exactly. You, 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 can, you can say that's, that's that season in one incident. It's one clique against another... Uh, there's an argument over it and what it leads to is an ultimate failure. Okay, I understand... And you know what? I don't even fucking care about that penalty anymore. Who should have taken it? Blah-de-blah. Let's move move (laughs) on. 
uh, to something stupid. Uh, it's Ryan's question time. This week we saw Aubameyang's bizarre Black Panther mask celebration. What celebrations would you like to see the Stoke players try? Uh, this question imagines we've scored a goal, so we have to use a bit of uh, imagination here. But a few from the listeners before we start. Uh, David Rice says next goal scorer to Shush Klukas. Uh, Alex says for a player to run into the concourse and buy every fan a pint run back onto the pitch whilst high-fiving all the fans okay Uh, Ross Irving says Jones gets Sido on an actual cross performs an exorcism using a parking (laughs) fine pad whilst always look on the bright side of life blasts out on the PA uh, Lee Hawthorne says Charlie Adam doing a Gaza 96 dentist chair with actual beer. And Ben Rowley says, I think we make a massive occasion of it. Fireworks, balloons, a giant cake. Have all the players shake hands with the fans. Get Peter Coates down pitch side to make a speech. Have Nathan jo- Jones change into a red and white suit and then unveil a set of bottled kilns tattooed on his chest. Uh, Tom? I'm imagining then like a, like a post-match sort of a, a classic Stoke City montage with some sort of indie music track in the background just with the goal just in slow motion in several different angles. Like, you don't even understand how many angles there are of this goal, but we have all of them. We've talked about on this podcast before of ha- wanting to have a, a kiln at every corner of the ground and then having those kilns, like, shoot fireworks when we score. I'm pretty yeah, sure that we spoke about it on this podcast. And it's not no, 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 it was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, no, that no, sounds financially viable. I mean, if card <laughs> machines aren't financially viable, then <laughs> kilns on each corner. Can you just imagine that in the council minute, minutes <laughs> in, in regards to the bottle kiln firework dispensers idea? Tony Skull says Delilah's is open post match. Uh, but no, I think um, I'd like Charlie Adam to do the Sammy Bangora celebration when he next scores. He just scores and disappears. Oh. Hashtag agenda. That was anyone else. Uh, anything from you, Ben? I think you'd have to go for uh, the. I've been inspired by Mario Balotelli's thing where he had uh, Rashford's like face apparently printed on his vest. So if yeah. he scored against PSG yesterday he would have unveiled Rashford's happy face or something, which is just brilliant. <laughs> Delicious. But I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of like the the best person's face for it to be on for it, for a Stoke player. I guess Gary Rowett, maybe? I don't know. Right. Just Marmini Eza. Because even, even then you haven't got the trying to be confrontational idea like Balotelli had. That would just genuinely make just everyone happy. really happy. It's like, oh, yeah. It made me cry when <laughs> come back. Maybe Bojan's had it under his shirt the whole time. <laughs> Isn't that a heartbreaking, really heartbreaking thought? <laughs> I thought you were saying someone having some one of the players has written Bojan's had it on their vest and they unveil that <laughs> sort of crying Bojan on the bench. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be nice. I I had a uh, like. We, you know how we all dreamed in our Premier League spell that Ryan Shawcross would score the winner against Arsenal, and like I, I imagined all kind of celebrations Shawcross could have done to wind up the Arsenal fans, including like scoring a try with the with the football. <laughs> and, uh, maybe he could have had like a, a, a fibula on his shirt as well, or just like medical records. And he rips it. <laughs> Record. Just like, oh look how quickly this bone healed. Get over it, lads. <laughs> Should have broke both. <laughs> typed across his chest. It just brings out a pair of shin pads. Should have, should have worn them. Gives them to Aaron Ramsey. Naughty. Or just, or just goes to take two and just like slams <laughs> into Ramsey's legs. <laughs> Yeah, crack. <laughs> just begging for blood, and we get shut out of the league for just <laughs> turning into inciting a violence, fighting pit. Uh, Benjamin on Twitter says Berahino gets to start due to an injury crisis. He inevitably scores and sits down on the floor with an imaginary steering wheel. 
He minds driving away, looking over his shoulder whilst Charlie Adam shakes a clenched fist towards him and shouts expletives. Next up, Danny Bart. He nods over header and runs for the corner flag to a conveniently placed bath. Everyone thinks he's going to jump in it, but he comes to a halt, reaches inside to pull out a Bart Simpson doll. He raises it in the air and pulls it. <laughs> have you have you That's encountered uh, many people around you shouting bath rather than Bart? Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've educated everyone who sits near me. That's I a oh god. I I haven't been. Yeah, I just to sit it. there and get annoyed. Correct them, yeah. Just... Danny, um, he, he should do the it's Bart. He should literally Maybe. stand there for the whole, however long it is, three minutes or whatever, how long that song is, and it should play through the PA, and he should just do the do the whole dance, and the squad can be the backing dancers. That would be great. We should all go to the next Stoke game dressed up as uh, Bart Simpson and sit in the corner. That would be funny. Like, all, like, spiky hair. Yeah. <laughs> yellow. You're suggesting we paint ourselves yellow? Yeah. And then say it's, and then we'll shout it's Bart. And next up for Stoke Norwich at home, so that wouldn't be confusing. <laughs> uh, Joe Richards says when Charlie Adams scores, he should pull out a pair of blue gloves. Also take the fourth official board, sub himself off, and swear in French. <laughs> Good. Um, I had no idea uh, what to put, but I ran with the uh, Black Panther theme. Um, and just gave uh, Stoke City players Marvel superhero masks to wear. Uh, so Captain America is Jeff Cameron, obviously. Captain Marvel's obviously Ryan Shawcross. Uh, Mark Kowalczyk is Iron Man. We gonna have Irons, yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, Thor is our own Norse god Thomas Sorensen. Is Denmark Norse? Does that count? Ten. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hesse, Incredible Sulk. No. <laughs> yes always end on a shit pun that's that's the wizard's motto uh, anything else we want to mention before we go maybe we should just like give another nod to Tebow Verlinden is Tebow Verlinden the new Stanley Matthews Tom uh, no, oh because he won't. God, because and I hope I hope Dom Smith's listening to this. No, he's not the new Stanley Matthews because he won't bugger off to Blackpool, make a name for himself, and then come back and steal money out of the club. <laughs> God, first Winston, then Winston. Who next? You can't judge Matthews by today's moral standards. It's a... I'm sick of you triggered millennials always judging the great men of the past. It's just not fair. Tommy's joking, by the way, before anyone writes in. Yeah, yeah, no, that he's just oh no, because he's gone private, so he can't even tweet in. Anyways, <laughs> I the thing I wanted to bring up was that Stoke shirts were twelve quid in a club shop, and I bought myself a Stoke shirt. <laughs> Guess we got the last laugh this time. <laughs> the club finally infiltrated the podcast. <laughs> yeah, they tried oh, to dear. make me get the name on the back, and I was having none of it. <laughs> I'm just paying twelve quid for this bad boy. Mm. The name would have been as much as the shirt. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> there you go. Uh, go to the club shop for all your Stoke City needs, and Delilah's Bar is open after the match as well. <laughs> Uh, after the podcast Delilah's <laughs> bar is open after the podcast uh, just go down now whenever you're listening <laughs> they'll let you in open. they'll just knock loud enough and they'll a let couple you of, in a cu- couple of quid to get in and you still won't be able to find a seat <laughs> right I think that's it from the Wizards of Drivel uh, patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel if you want to support us by giving us a little bit of money uh, we've uploaded a uh, little well it's a Reading preview. If you want to listen to a Reading preview, uh, get to Patreon now. You don't want to miss that. I think I, I think I predicted a three-all draw. Can't remember. Um, but uh, beer52.com forward slash wizards. Uh, if you want a case of free beer, so there you go. Beer52.com forward slash wizards. And also, uh, I should mention at the end, uh, sort of a listener survey. I want to do. Uh, if you DM us with your thoughts on 
uh, anything to do with the pod? Is there a feature you want to see? Is there something you want less of? How do we make this podcast less shit, eventually, uh, essentially? Uh, if I could speak, that would be a start. Uh, do you want to hear more about the women's team? Do you want to hear more about the academy? Do you want more tactical stuff? Do you want, God forbid, video content? Uh, uh, anything you want to hear more of, uh, DM us. I am a completely blank slate uh, because we go again next season. God willing, pod willing, uh, it'll be a bloody good season for the pod. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ben. Pod willing. Go on, Stoke.